we're live. Finally got this thing off the ground. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to the John Riley Project. And I'll tell you what, friends, we're shifting gears today. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk a little bit about how I started the podcast, why I started the podcast. You know, we're going to take a break from current events and culture and sports and politics, all the other topics I enjoy discussing. But I just thought it'd be kind of fun to have a podcast about podcasting. Uh, a lot of people ask me questions like, how did you start it? What are you doing? Um, what made you start this podcast? And I, know, I just thought this would be kind of a fun topic to explore. So that's what we're doing today. Um, I welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. You can join us on both Facebook and YouTube. Type in your comments in the, in the comments section, in the chat section. They'll appear here on my screen. I'll read your comments on the air and we'll have a little fun together. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to do today. So podcasting has actually been around a long time, right? It, it's been a, around for probably at least 10 years. Um, if I recall, I think Joe Rogan was early on. I think he might have started his show in 2012, maybe even earlier than that. I mean, he, to his credit, I mean, Joe Rogan, of course, the biggest podcaster on the planet, he got started right away when the technology was still in its infancy and he embraced it and ran with it. And wow, look at look what it's done to his career. I mean, he signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. So good on him. So, you know, it's been around for like, you know, at least 10 years. And I had, you know, you always hear about people talking about podcasts, but I just never really went there. You know, when I'm was driving around in my car. I still enjoy listening to sports talk radio, whether I was getting the AM signal here locally or if I was on Sirius XM or I was listening to a lot of you know current events and politics stations that I enjoyed. But I wasn't really yet part of the whole podcast phenomenon until I discovered a gentleman and his name is Dave Rubin. And you might know Dave Rubin. Uh, he has a show called The Rubin Report. Um, today, Dave Rubin is very, very aligned with the Republican Party and Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and that whole group in Florida. But when you roll the clock back 2017-ish, uh, 2018, when I first discovered him, he was not there politically. He was, you know, kind of started up his show. He kind of considered himself sort of an independent, a classical liberal, someone that wasn't a Democrat or a Republican. And he had a lot of really interesting guests on his show. Um, they were authors, professors, athletes, business people, um, politicians, community leaders, um, innovators, just a, a tremendously interesting guests. And he had kind of a, a long form interview format where they would sit down together for at least an hour, sometimes two, even in some cases, they went three hours in these long form conversations. And they were fascinating because a lot of the guests that he had on a show were, were intellects. I mean, these were people that were deeply knowledgeable in their particular category and the conversations were just glorious. And I got hooked on him um, and I was watching his show and really enjoying what he had, um, you know, what, what he had going on. And it wasn't it was I was on one level, I was captivated by the content, by the guests, by the conversation. But on another level, I was 
very interested is like, how in the hell is he doing this? Because he would sometimes talk about how he did it because he set up this studio in his garage um, up in a up in the valley in, in um, up in the L.A. area. I don't know exactly what city he was in, probably like Burbank, Studio City, Encino, somewhere up there. And he had created this very professional studio in his garage and he had a staff of people behind the camera that were helping him out. And the quality of this was outstanding. I mean, the video, the audio, all the production was excellent. I'm like, how in the hell is this guy doing this from his garage? And so I was just really just all in on Dave Rubin back then. I was just learning so much about the guy and I was just so intrigued. Um, I've got some people here on the live stream already. Tony Russo on the live stream joining us. And by the way, you can join on the live stream. Just type your comments in on Facebook and on YouTube, and I'll read them on the air. Uh, Tony Russo saying, come on, John, you started it because you wanted to interview me. Yeah, yeah, Tony, you were my second guest here on the show. And uh, when you were running for political office here locally in our hometown of Poway, California, and I was very happy to have you. I know you're running again this election cycle. We'll have you back in the studio here real soon. I mean, probably we get into the heat of it in September. That should be prime time. Uh, but anyways, I was just captivated by what Dave Rubin was doing. And, uh, and then I started really enjoying some of his guests I found really interesting. And then I found out that some of those guests had their own podcast. Now, granted, when I had heard of Dave Rubin, I only knew him through YouTube. I didn't really link him to podcasting. But then I later found out that the audio version of his YouTube show was an audio-only podcast that I could download on my phone. And so I started listening to his shows there, and I began listening to podcasts episodes of some of his guests and their shows. And I was just blown away by the whole thing. I thought this is fascinating. Um, I was, like I said, I was intrigued with the content as much as I was with the medium and the technology and how they all did this. And I said to myself, you know, I can do this. There's no reason I can't do this. Um, I want to try doing this. And, And I said to myself, wow, you know, we could probably get something like this started, but I wasn't sure what to do or how to go about it. And, and, uh, but I knew it'd be kind of fun, but I was also thinking, and this was in 2018 about that time. And in 2014, I was a political candidate here locally. I ran for Poway Unified School Board, lost by just 1%. Not that I'm bitter about it. And I kind of kid myself. I was so close in that election, but, uh, I still was the the election process. By the way, if you've never been a candidate for political office, if you have any interest in it, I mean, I can't tell you how wonderful the experience was being a candidate running for school board and the people you meet and the opportunities you have to speak and share your thoughts and opinions. And the whole process was beautiful. I really, really enjoyed it. Now, granted, there was a lot of underhanded politics going on even at the local level, but it was still fascinating. But I remember at that time how challenging it was to get your message out, how to get heard. And a lot of political candidates would spend a lot of money on direct mail. Um, This is 2014. Social media was starting to get going. It wasn't real hot and heavy yet. Uh, Some of the candidates were using that. Um, But generally, candidates would always struggle to get their message out. Uh, you know, they might be lucky to get a two sentences 
in the local newspaper. If they happened to be on TV or any sort of video, it was probably only like a three or a five minute clip. So I thought to myself, wow, you know, if I created this podcast and if all I did was to invite local political candidates in my community, I think I could have something here, you know, because every, I know every one of those candidates is going to jump at the opportunity. And almost every one of them did um, to get just to have to get their message out and then to do it in a conversational style that was really not confrontational. It was it was very relaxed, very chill, like, you know, two people getting together for a cup of coffee or, you know, or a glass of beer. It was that kind of a vibe that I wanted to create. And so I thought, OK, this this could be really good. But then I didn't know how to go about it. You know, what what was I going to do? What kind of technology was I going to use? I mean, where, am I going to set the, where am I going to do this? Do I have to go get a professional studio? What do I do? Well, I started learning a lot. Um, and one of the things that I did early on, this is kind of interesting, and this kind of helped further me because I knew I was going to need a website. And so I went, you know, because I, I own a marketing agency. So one of the things I do is I build websites for clients. That's one of a whole bunch of different things I do. And I knew I was going to build a website for this podcast, but I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know how to categorize it. And I came up with this idea because, you know, Dave Rubin had the Rubin Report. He used his name in it and it was nice. It was RR alliteration. And I thought, well, maybe I could do the Riley Report. But then I thought, well, that sounds a little too like a copy. And then I said, well, I could use my whole name and why not have my name in it? Because I'm going to be the host of every episode. So then I decided to call it the John Riley Project because – for me, it was a project. I was going to figure out how to do this. I was going to learn. I was going to meet people. And I didn't know where this whole thing was going. So I called it John Riley Project. And I went and started building the website. And, you know, I'm building it in WordPress. And I um, went to secure my do go domain name in GoDaddy. And I was linking it up to my WordPress site. And there was some technical problem. And so I called the customer service at GoDaddy. By the way, those guys have always been great to me and they're very helpful. And I was talking to the customer service guy. And again, this is really early on. And he's looking at my site and I'm saying, hey, man, my domain's not connecting to my host and I got to, if you can help me. Um, and he said, wow, I'm kind of looking at your website. He says, are you, are you creating a podcast? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Remember, this is like the summer of 2018. And he says, uh, oh, I noticed that you're, you're calling it the John Riley Project. And that's, is that you? Is that your name? I go, yeah, it is. He says, oh, this is great. I think what you're doing is fantastic. And he went on to say that he had his own podcast. And this was a number of years ago. And it was a podcast at that time that was focused just on the business of the music industry. So it was how, how, um, Artists could get signed to record labels and how they did their gigs and promotions and, and everything to do with the business. And, oh, and a lot to do with, um, you know, kind of the, the royalties and how those are um, divvied out. And they had all the technicalities of the business of music. And he created a podcast just doing that. And he said it was great. And he built up a nice audience. He had about a thousand subscribers. But then he said, 
I felt limited. Like all I could do was talk about music and business. And if I veered off of that, that pathway, I would maybe would lose some of my audience. And he said, it's cool that you're doing it with your name. That way, everything you do is through your lens, the way you see the world. And you can talk about anything. And I thought to myself, hey, that sounds pretty good. I kind of So some crazy GoDaddy customer service guy kind of helped inspire me in those early stages of the game. So I got rolling with this and uh, it's been great. I mean, this... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a little bit more of the technicalities of how I built this, but um, the, the benefits for me have been awesome. Um, but before I get to that, um, I just want to, you know, I'm talking about my website. Go to johnreillyproject.com, johnreillyproject.com. That's the website for, the, for this podcast, but really for the broader project, um, which I'll speak a little bit more to as this episode evolves. But there you can get all the podcast episodes, the audio, the video. I've got blog content, got an e-commerce store online. You can buy some swag. You can go to my other site, happiness76.com, where I've got a lot of other merchandise. Um, I've got some links to my business and some marketing tips and a whole bunch of different things on that website. So if you want to go check it out, go to johnreillyproject.com. You can also um, connect with me on social media, sign up on the mailing list. It's all there. All right. So... What has been the benefit to me in starting this podcast? Well, first of all, I have met so many amazing people through this. I mean, Tony Russo here on the podcast is just you know chatting with us here um, in the live stream. I, I mean, I met all of these great people in town, some of which I consider to be very good friends now. Um, I've, I've engaged and met a lot of really cool people, um, authors, athletes, entrepreneurs, um, community activists. I mean, it really, in the very beginning of this podcast, it was like a local version of the Rubin Report. It was a local talk show. And there's still a lot of aspects with that today, but I've met some incredible people. I mean, heck, last week, my podcast guest was Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. I mean, one of the legendary sports talk radio NFL play-by-play icons in the business. He was sitting right here in my studio with me. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, the people that I've met through this podcast, it's been great. Um, And the conversations have been just so wonderful. People have come in and we've had we've had some serious discussions about our hometown of Poway and uh, and some of the challenges that are going on here locally. I've had people come on the podcast. We've talked about national politics. We've talked about housing. We've talked about education. We've talked about career development. We've talked about um, self-improvement and building self-esteem. I mean, a lot of really, you know, some topics a lot heavier than others. Um, But I'm really proud of that because I enjoy having long, interesting conversations with people. Um, And now I kind of had a platform to do it. Um, And then for myself, you know, I didn't have a guest every time. So a lot of times it was just like me like this. And I was just doing my own self-expression. I'd share my thoughts and opinions on a variety of topics. Um, on I would share my frustrations with the San Diego Padres, and they blew it again today. Oh, my God. Uh, against Detroit, our, our t- closer, Taylor Rogers, is imploding. Um, but uh, I've, I've, I've shared my thoughts and opinions on sports on local politics, national politics, on culture. And in a lot of ways, that's 
that's really cool, you know, just to have that opportunity to be self-expressive. I mean, that's, in my opinion, what makes America great, right, is that we have a First Amendment and we can speak on what we want to speak on. And, you know, for some people, they do this in the form of writing. But here I had an opportunity to do it in spoken form. And it was fun because in a lot of ways, it was like I had a talk radio show um, and I could I could, you know, share my thoughts in a, in a in a similar to a talk radio vein. I can interview guests and then I could also, quote unquote, take calls from the audience and I'll get to live streaming in a minute. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, Tony Russo with some more comments here. He says, great job, John. It truly opens up a lot of doors that we wouldn't have. I have had some of the best eye-opening conversations with interesting people across the spectrum. Yeah, right on, Tony. Um, that's the beauty of the Internet, right? All this technology has given us opportunities to connect with people in new and interesting ways. Um, I mean, roll the clock back to when I was a teenager. We had three channels on our on our VHF and like two on UHF, and you had a local newspaper and a telephone with a rotary dial, and that was kind of it. Uh, CB radios, I remember, were a thing in the 70s. But think about how far we've come and all the different ways we can interact. And this podcast has done that for me. Um, but, you know, like I said, I've made some really good friends. But I've also made some enemies, which is very interesting because, you know, in the beginning when I did this podcast, I was the host. I was interviewing. And to a great degree, I didn't share my own thoughts and opinions. I kind of hinted a bit, but I didn't really make it about me. I made it about my guest. But then as I started doing a lot more of my solo podcasts and I began sharing what I believe, and I have a lot of very strong opinions on a wide range of issues, I get into some of my like local community Facebook groups and a lot of people that would block me. And, you know, they, 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 they've essentially ixnayed me. They've blocked me from conversation in some of these local groups. And at first I was kind of taken aback by it and kind of felt bad. And like, why would they do that? I didn't say anything bad about them. But then I started thinking about it and I said, you know, that's actually a good thing that I've been blocked by people online because it means that the podcast is actually making a difference. It's that the podcast is actually having an effect and it's impacting people in, in, in a range of different ways. And I had to really coach myself through that process that I'm kind of putting myself out there and I'm going to make some friends and I'm going to make some enemies along the way. And if it's like one of those famous quotes, if you don't make any enemies, then you really haven't tried. So that's been a fascinating part for this. And that's, you know, kind of personal growth for me has been an upside. Um, I've developed in just building this podcast with the video and the audio and everything else, um, the, the editing that I've, I've learned on the job, essentially, those skills have been very helpful for me in my business. When I'm consulting with my clients, I have a lot greater insight on how best to use video to market businesses and how to be really creative in a lot of different ways using audio, video, and the internet. Um, those skills have been very, very helpful for me as I've you know, gotten deeper into this. I mean, granted, here I am, I'm in my 50s. And for most people, when you're in your 50s, they, they don't really learn a lot of new things, right? Uh, but for me, it was important to keep learning. And so this podcast has provided that, that opportunity. Um, and it's just been 
a really it's to get this thing launched and to keep it going is a real challenge and it takes a lot of effort and that in and of itself has been very rewarding because I know I've been able to build something and have a certain degree of success doing it. It gives me a great deal of self-esteem. So there's a lot of personal rewards to this. And then who knows? I mean, where this whole thing can go. I mean, there's a, depending on what you want to do with a podcast, there's a lot of entrepreneurial things that you can do with it. Now, for some people, the podcast is a really big show. For some people, the podcast is like Joe Rogan, right? You know, he started his podcast. It was audio only. He eventually did the video. And now he gets signed by Spotify for $100 million, right? And he's got a gigantic audience. I mean, what is his audience? It's like 20 million, 50 million an episode. It's something crazy. And so when you have an audience of that size, you can monetize it with paid ads. And he does a very good job of it. And a lot of other big-time podcasters with large audiences have done exactly that. But then even some local guys have done some interesting things with the podcast to kind of make it a professional venture. Um, do you know who Scott Kaplan is? Um, Scott Kaplan used to be a, or you think he still is, a host on the Mighty 1090. He used to do the show, you know, Scott and BR with Billy Ray Smith. Well, now he's created Kaplan and Friends. It's a podcast an audio and a visual podcast, not all that different from mine, but he's got two co-hosts and he has a whole portfolio of clients that advertise on his show. And that becomes a springboard for him to do a lot of other things. Uh, so for him, he's been able to monetize it. I think it's, it's great. And he's done that at the local level pretty successfully. And his show, not only is it on all the podcast platforms and on YouTube and Facebook, but he also... Uh, simulcasts on 1090 radio, I think a taped version of the show. And then there's another taped version of the show that appears on cable television on Channel 4 here in San Diego. So he's done some really interesting things with a podcast. He's turned it into like a local sports radio program, but really taking advantage of all the different technologies. Now, other podcasters have done this by getting donations. Like I told you about Dave Rubin. He used to have his podcast linked with Patreon. Now, Patreon is a site that really caters to the artist community, to musicians, to painters, and to podcasters, people that depend on donations. And so he was making over a hundred million, excuse me, over a hundred thousand dollars a year just in donations um, through his Patreon account. And then it, there, was, there was controversy with it because with Patreon, they had other podcasters and they ended up um, canceling one of their podcast clients because they didn't agree with what he said on his podcast. So Patreon cut him off. And then Ruben was so angry about it that he moved off of Patreon and then started taking donations directly. And he took a hit initially, but he's now built it back up, and he makes a significant portion of his income off of donations. Um, there's another podcast I listen to that this guy makes between $800 and $1,000 an episode doing the podcast strictly off of using YouTube Super Chat. So, you know, when you're on YouTube, you can leave a comment and type it in, but if that particular host has a Super Chat account, then you can pay money 
to make a comment or ask a question. And for this particular podcaster, since he has hundreds of comments, he can't possibly interact with them all, all of the t- uh, during a show live. So what he does is he cherry picks the ones that people pay and they'll pay whatever they feel like paying. Some pay five or 10 bucks, but some pay 20, 50, 100, 200, $500 for a question, partly just to get attention. So their question is asked, but also because they just generally support the guy and they want to share love. You know, they want to, you know, this guy's provided a lot of very useful content for them. They want to get good content back. So for my show, I've, I've created, oh, Mike Devine on the live stream. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Um, for my show, I, um, I have a donation on my website. If you want to go there, johnreillyproject.com, you can make a donation to help fund what I'm doing, to help grow the audience. Um, if you want to help me out, you can go to johnreillyproject.com. You can leave a one-time donation, five, 10, 20 bucks. You could leave a monthly contribution. It'll auto debit from your uh, checking account every month. And uh, you can do that as well. So I decided to do that, you know, just to see all the different ways I could optimize this. But there are guys out there that have huge audiences and they make a big part of their money off of donations. Um, There are others that what's interesting is, is that and kind of like Dave Rubin, the podcast he created it was so good that he became a celebrity in his own way. I mean, he was previously a comedian. He still does stand-up comedy. But his podcast was so successful that he had so many people subscribing to his show and following him. That gave him an opportunity to do a lot of other things. I mean, he's written two books. He is frequently called upon to be an MC or a host for a wide range of different kinds of events for uh, campaign rallies, for, uh, um, you know, for, for forums and other kinds of convention center, convention opportunities. He's been able to parlay that celebrity into a lot of other financial opportunities and good on him. Um, there are other, other people that have used podcasting successfully um, where there are already, they already are a celebrity, but then they create a podcast just to keep their name in front of their audience. Um, who's a good example of this? What's that guy's name? Um, not Russell Crowe, but uh, he's a comedian and an actor, and he's been doing podcasting for a while. He's, he's British, and he's really good. Why can't I think of his name uh, right now? If you, if you know what the name is, type it in at the live stream. But uh, you know, an, a lot of other actors, musicians – comedians have created their own podcasts. I mean, Joe Rogan originally was a comedian or actually originally, originally he was a, um, a fighter and that's what got him into doing the play by play and the commentary on the MMA fights. And then he got into comedy and then that podcast has kind of helped continue to boost his celebrity profile. So he's in front of people at minimum once a week, sometimes two or three times a week. And it's been very successful for a lot of podcasters to do that, to kind of maintain or boost their celebrity. Um, The other benefit of podcasting is it's a good way to have it as as a marketing vehicle to support whatever business you have. So if you are in a particular business category, you can use the podcast to showcase your expertise. 
you can showcase a lot of how-to um, uh, conversations. You can do demonstrations of your product. You can take your video podcast on the road. Um, let's just say you're in the business of installing doors and windows in custom homes. You can take your podcast on the road and and interview the homeowner, interview the installer, interview the product supplier, and talk about that whole project of how it's installed. There's a lot of things like that. That's just one off-the-wall example. But there are a lot of cases like that where you can use your podcast, not necessarily as a means of generating revenue directly on the podcast, but more so as a marketing vehicle to communicate with your audience, to grow your audience, and to provide value to your listeners and viewers, especially if you're there to educate them. Um, So that can be extremely beneficial. Um, and then for some people, there's a lot of podcasters out there. I mean, you hear the numbers, it's ridiculous. I can't even remember what the numbers are, but there's over a million podcasts that exist. Now, what's crazy is, is that most podcasts have less than 10 episodes and then the, then the podcaster typically gives up. Now, my podcast, this is episode number 282. So I'm, I'm very proud of that, that when I've been able to keep this thing going. And and one of the things that keeps me going is if you notice when you look at my podcast episodes, I always number them this way, JRP and then a four-digit number. So this is JRP0282. Um, and I have that as a four-digit number because I keep telling myself I'm going to get to a 1,000 episodes. That's my and, and, and that particular dimension, that's my goal. Now, there's a lot of other things I want to do, but I want to get up to 1,000 episodes. So I'm already you know, 28% of the way there. Uh, but most podcasters give up. So if you're ever thinking about doing a podcast and if you can stick with it and be consistent, then you have an opportunity to actually do some really good things. Okay, so so many benefits in doing this podcast. I mean, I, like I said, I was inspired by Dave Rubin. Um, I was further inspired, not by just his content, but how he did it. And then I was opened up to a whole new world of people, a lot of his guests and their podcasts. I said, geez, I can do this. I know I can do this. Um, Especially given my background, you know, in computer science and my background in, in music. I mean, I just had to learn some things and pull it all together. So this is what I want to do in the second half of this episode is share with you some of the basics on what you need to do to get started without getting too technical because you can go crazy technical with a lot of this stuff. Um, But before I do, let me just uh, share uh, a plug here. Happiness76.com. I've told you, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Happiness76.com is a website. I created an e-commerce store that is all about celebrating our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if you're a regular listener or viewer, you know that's my greater cause, my my, uh, higher calling is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, I want my podcast to, to discuss a lot of topics through that lens. Well, I decided, just like I mentioned here earlier, 
I decided I'm going to create some e-commerce opportunities to wrap around this podcast. And I did that with happiness76.com. So I've got a bunch of swag there, T-shirts, hoodies, um, uh, coffee mugs, water bottles, and I'm just getting started there. Um, if you go um, online and you use the promo code you do you, Y-O-U-D-O-Y-O-U, you do you, 20% off. So go check that out, happiness76.com. I got a shirt that says Pursue Happiness. I uh, got another one that says My Body, My Choice. I uh, got another one that says You Do You. So there's a lot of Americana themes in there, uh, but a lot of you know liberty and happiness and a lot of really positive messaging there. Uh, so I hope you can go out and check it out. Um, also got Corvette happiness, baseball happiness, all good stuff. So uh, check out happiness76.com. So see what I'm doing? I'm plugging my business side of this as I'm doing the podcast. And that's, if you're going to do a podcast, you could do this too. Okay, so how did I get started with this? Well, it can be overwhelming. I mean, there's a lot going on here. I mean, there's there's the technical aspects of it. There's the content that you're going to discuss. There's the presentation of how you present that content. There's a lot going on here. But let me just say this, that content is by far the most important thing. You know, a lot of people get hung up on the audio and the video and, and yeah, it's, there's plenty to get hung up on in those categories. But make sure that your content is the most important thing you do. Um, if your video and audio are not 100% pro, but your content is fantastic, terrific. So um, what kind of content? I mean, the more niche, the better. I mean, the more narrow, the better. Now, granted, I told you the story about the GoDaddy customer service guy that thought it was great that I had kind of a broader scope to this podcast. I'll tell you, it's, it's made the podcast a lot more fun to do, but I'll, admittedly, it has probably not helped me grow my audience as much as I should. Um, if you really want to grow an audience is pick a particular category and stay in that lane, a category that you're really knowledgeable for, that you're passionate about. Um, and then, then you should make it your quest to educate, to inspire, and to entertain. And if you can do all of that within your category of specialization, then you've got a really good opportunity for success. Now, granted, you can go on any podcast app and for whatever category is of interest to you, there's already podcasts that exist. But like I said, a lot of those podcasts crap out after five or six episodes. So don't let the fact that there's competitors in your space scare you. Um, if you're passionate about a topic, it's a great opportunity for a podcast. Oh, here on the live stream, Pete Neald um, saying he got his Corvette happiness t-shirt on happiness 76. Well, if you've ever met Pete, you've seen him. He's been my most frequent guest on the podcast. He's a Corvette enthusiast, and that's putting it mildly. This dude is passionate about Corvettes. If Pete ever wanted to create a podcast and he just did it talking about Corvette stuff, he would be able to build a very large audience of Corvette people because you know that Corvette people are passionate about their Corvette. Um, and... That's a great opportunity, frankly. In, fa in fact, I bet you there's probably at least one other Corvette podcast that exists. I mean, think about it. You could have um, 
You could have uh, people from General Motors on your podcast. You could have, you know, there's Corvette clubs. You could have people from the club on the podcast. You could talk about the certain specific makes and models and years of the car, um, all the accessories that are available, all the fun road trips in a Corvette. I mean, can you imagine? So if you're interested in doing a podcast, the content is king. Um, That is the most important thing. And pick a narrow niche specialize in it, be passionate about it, and seek to educate, inspire, and entertain. And if you can do one of those three, fantastic. If you can do two or all three, then home run. Educate, inspire, and entertain. Okay, so, um, and then the other thing when you're doing the podcast is, and I try to do this, is to build a relationship with your audience. Let them get to know you. Um, because while your audience is going to be passionate about the topic of your podcast, you want them to also want to come and see you um, and listen to you. You know, it's like Hacksaw when he was here last week, you know, because he's a big sports radio talk guy. He said, you know, because he's very provocative. And he says, I don't care if you love me or you hate me as long as you listen four hours a day. Um, so, you know, with Hacksaw, when I was listening to him on the radio back in the 90s and the 2000s, you get to know who he is. Um, and so if you're going to have a podcast, make it about you. And that's part of the reason why my name, John Riley Project, is in the title of the podcast. Um, and so that's why I try to share sometimes in my podcast little things that are going on in my life, you know adventures I've been on, road trips and vacations and um, things I'm dealing with at home and family and my children. And, you know, without being too open, I try to give you a glimpse into what's going on in my life. Uh, And I think that's cool. I I enjoy sharing that. And I think in many ways, the listeners and viewers have reflected that back to me. And that's how I think, like I said, I've been able to expand my circle of friends through this. And it's been wonderful. Okay. Um, now, how do, how, how do you just technically get it going? So I, I, I knew going in when I was going to build this that I knew podcasting, you know, in its most classic definition is audio only, right? You got it on your smartphone and you've, you are listening to it when you're on a drive or when you're on a walk. Maybe you're playing it in your house. But for most people, when you hear podcast, you think audio only. And frankly, most podcasts are. Uh, like a lot of these true crime podcasts, which are so popular, they're audio only. I mean, those are storytellers that are par excellence that do really, really great work. Um, so, you know, so there's an audio only portion of this. And so let's talk about that first before we get into the video, because when you get into the video, it gets even more complicated. So. At its simplest level in in a podcast, you need to create an end result as an audio file. So an MP3 file is usually the preferred format. And we kind of know about MP3 files with, you know, iPods and downloadable music. I remember, did you use Napster back in the day, in the early days of the Internet? Oh, my God. I used Napster and I I must have pirated, downloaded so many songs. I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly. Um, but I got to know the MP3 format. So you need to be able to create an audio format, and then you're going to upload that audio file 
to what's called a podcast host. And this hosting company, um, what they do is well, like, you know, there's hosting um, for websites, right? Where your website can sit in a cloud. Podcast hosting is similar. You upload your MP3 file, your audio file to the podcast host. And then what they do is they distribute it to all the podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn. I mean, there's a list is endless. Like my podcast is on probably at least 20 different platforms. Now, granted, Apple Podcasts probably is, is, is half the market share, not just for my podcast, but overall. Um, but I try to get on as many platforms as I can. And your podcast host will help you do that. Um, and what's challenging is, is that not only do you have to get your file uploaded to your podcast host, but then every single one of those platforms, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, whatever, you got to sign up individually with each one of them. And then you have to submit your podcast to them. And then they have an approval process. And some of those approvals depending on the podcast uh, channel or platform, they, some are approved almost immediately, but others can take months. I think it was Spotify, if I recall, was the one that took me the longest to get on. But eventually I did. Um, and I don't know what the process is. I don't know if they were just backlogged with humans that couldn't do the approval processes or I don't know. But some of them are more difficult than others. And there's a you've got to be able to check a lot of boxes to submit a podcast. You've got to have cover art, you know, that kind of thumbnail graphic that you see on your podcast app that shows what show you're you're going to be following. You have to have that cover art, the description. You've got to essentially fill out a very detailed form. And then you've got to be able to provide what's called the RSS feed, which is which is ultimately the URL that comes from the podcast host. And you provide that to every one of those platforms. So it takes a while to get all that set up. Uh, now, I use a podcast host. Um, it's called Blueberry. Now, there are a whole bunch of them out there. There's Buzzsprout and Spreaker and Podbean. There's a whole bunch of them. I use a company called Blueberry. And Blueberry is kind of spelled funny. It's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. And the reason I use Blueberry is because their podcast software works as a plugin for a WordPress website. And I'm already familiar with WordPress. I remember I told you I was building the WordPress version of the WordPress site for my podcast. Remember I was talking to the GoDaddy guy. So I'm already com comfortable working in WordPress and this works with WordPress. I thought, oh, this is great. This is going to be perfect. So what that gave me the ability to do is not just to simply broadcast all of my episodes across all of those different podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera. But then by having it as a plug-in on my website, now if you go to my website, you can click on the podcast menu and you'll see every episode. Um, and there are all the, 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 the primary photography, the um, – the, the write-up, all the links are all there for every podcast episode. And then from the website, you can go immediately to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio right from my website. 
So it makes it so everything's really integrated. It makes it very nice and clean. So that's what I do. And when you sign up with these podcast hosts, some of them will offer a free account, but with only limited capabilities. Um, the account that I have with Blueberry, I think I pay 20 bucks a month uh, for it. And I only get so much space, you know, because each podcast episode I upload is about 35 megabytes. Um, and so for 20 bucks a month, I get a limited amount of space. Now, gosh, it was, was it earlier this year? I think it was, where I was doing like three podcasts a week, which was really fun. Um, I was starting to exceed my limit and I had to up my, my podcast subscription to 40 bucks a month. But then I went back to one, weekly and I've ratcheted it back down. So um, you'll need to explore that with each podcast. Uh, my dog Nona is barking and it's distracting me. Okay. So um, now again, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions, feel free to type them in and I'll be happy to answer your questions or read your comments on the air. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, Let's go a little further. Like I said, you create an audio file, like an MP3 file, and you upload it to the podcast host, and they distribute it to all the platforms, all the apps. Well, how do you create an MP3 file, right? Well, there are a lot of different ways to do it, and you can do it very simply and very easily. I mean, if you really want to do it super easy, you can even use the speaker on your phone and do something. But what I did is I made an investment in some good quality microphones. And then um, you – now, granted, what I have is probably more of a, the deluxe version. Um, I've got these uh, studio microphones and I've got a signal booster and an audio interface. But you can go online and buy what's called a USB microphone. And there are a lot of them that are out there and a lot of them are pretty good. And they'll cost anywhere from like 80 bucks to 150 bucks. And then at the end of the cord of the po of the microphone is just a USB, and it plugs into your computer, and you can run any number of audio recording software on your computer. Now, uh, there's a free program that a lot of people use called Audacity. I use Adobe Audition um, to record my audio, and because I I use that whole Adobe suite for other parts of my business you know, Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign. But I pay right now, I think I pay 55 bucks a month for that Adobe subscription that I was already paying for. And then when I decided to start the podcast, I started using Audition for audio and then later Premiere for video, which I'll talk about in a minute. And I, since I already had the subscription Adobe, I didn't have to pay anything extra to get Adobe Audition and Adobe Premiere, which are really really quality programs. I mean, they're very professional grade programs, but there are a lot of very simplified audio recorders that you can, you can run on your computer. In fact, I think um, the operating system for windows and maybe even for the Macintosh might have a basic audio recording software that might be built in. I think it is in windows. So if you can record the audio file, um, then you're in business. Um, now, one of the things that I do is when I record the audio file, I, you know, it's being recorded in Audition. Like right now, Audition is running on my computer and it's capturing this audio. And then what I do when I'm done is I add, like if you're listening to the audio only version, like if you're on 
Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll notice that I have bumper music. Um, it's about a seven or eight second clip at the very beginning of every episode and then a longer like two minute piece at the very end. So I add those bumpers on the uh, beginning and the end of the show. Um, and then I optimize the audio file just so it sounds really good. Um, when you're listening to it on a podcast platform, I run it through, uh, you know, some compression and some normalization, some real simple things, but it really makes the sound quality really, really good. Um, and then I take that final file and that's what I upload, um, to the, to the, um, to the podcast host. So for most people that are doing podcasts, doing that alone is terrific. Now, let me add one more thing. Um, it's important that when you record the file, you record your podcast, not only should you have a good mic, but you should be doing it in an environment that doesn't have a lot of background noise or crazy acoustics. So if you're in a room like with, um, with hardwood floors and bare walls and the sound's going to echo, you might sound like you're talking in a cave uh, with a lot of reverb. You don't want that. Now, I'm fortunate that I set up my podcast studio in my living room. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm able to do this because since, you know, we have a large house, it's like 3,300 square feet and uh, we're empty nesters now. And, but even when our two children were here, we spent more time in the family room, which was next to the kitchen. And that's where we had the TV and most of our family activity. Our living room was hardly ever used. And if you're watching on video, you'll see like I have like a purple drape behind me. Well, this room, the previous owners had set this up to be a media room. So I have this drape behind me, but all the curtains in this room are similar to that drape. They're all purple, which, by the way, that's why my logo is in purple. Um, and then this room, of course, has carpeting and it has a wood ceiling. So the acoustics in this room are wonderful. The sound is very dampened um, and there's no background noise. If you're fortunate to pull that off, that's wonderful. Now, I'll tell you one time I decided to be creative, and this was back a couple of summers ago when my son came home um, from college in the summer, and he, two of his buddies came with him, and we set up like temporary inflatable mattresses here in the living room. And so I kind of got booted out of my, co of my studio and I set up uh, and I did a few episodes outdoors using my USB microphone. And that USB microphone was so good. I would pick up like every little bird tweet and um, the breeze and even cars like a block away when they were driving by that you'd be able to hear it. Uh, so if you're fortunate to be in a, in a acoustically optimized room, that's bonus for you if you can pull that off. Um, so anyways, doing the audio only, it's, it's not so hard. There's a lot more technicality to it. Um, but basically you create an MP3 file, an audio file, you upload it to a podcast host and there are any number of companies that are available. I told you, I spend 20 bucks a month some of them are a lot less, but they have less capabilities. And then they do all the distribution to all the podcast, um, apps and like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, they don't charge me anything. It's free uh, for me. It doesn't, they, they just want content. They want people on their platform. And then, then they have a large audience and then they can serve up ads. 
specifically to shows that have really large audiences. But for me, it's really not a problem. Okay, so that's the audio side of this. Gosh, we're at 51 minutes already, and I haven't even talked about the video. But I'm going to talk about video in just a minute. Um, But uh, let me tell you about one other page you can go to. I'm going to give another plug. Go to my – I have another website URL. It's called connectwithjohnny.com, connectwithjohnny.com. And if you go there – you're, you're going to go to my connect page on my website and there will be all of the audio podcast platforms that you can listen to the podcast. They're all listed there and they're all linkable. You can click on the Apple link and you'll go right to Apple podcast, right to the show where you can subscribe. Um, and you can also connect with me on social media. I've got all my links to Facebook and Twitter and, and everything else, YouTube, um, and I welcome to continue the conversation there. And also you can sign up for our mailing list at connectwithjohnny.com. And let me just put this out there. If, if you're so inclined, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you leave a rating and review, I would be most grateful. Um, you know, you can go in there and leave five stars if you think we deserve it. Uh, but you can leave between one and five stars and you can write like a little one sentence, three sentence description. And if you leave a five-star review, I promise you I will read it on the air in our next opportunity. So I've got a number of five-star reviews up there already, and I'm very proud of that. But, uh, you know, of course, the more the better. So um, I ask that as a polite request to the audience. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the video. Now, remember I told you I got turned on to podcasting Starting with the video, I was watching Rubin Report, Dave Rubin's show on YouTube. That's what originally hooked me into this whole thing. So I knew in the beginning that I wanted to have video. Uh, I knew video was going to be a lot more powerful, um, especially if I had guests. And I I just knew it was going to make a huge difference. And it turned out that it really has. Um, I, I probably get uh, depends on the episode, but some episodes I get way more traction on YouTube than I do on the audio only. Now, other episodes, it's the exact opposite. You know, it, it kind of varies. But I knew that the more opportunity I had to expand my audience across different media, the better. So I know I've got the audio only, and it's already broadcast out to 20 or more podcast apps. I want to get on YouTube. Um, I was also wanting to get on Facebook, but really I wanted to be on YouTube so I could be like Dave Rubin. So how do you do that? Well, um, at at the simplest level, you can do this on a webcam. There's a lot of people that do that. Um, You got to have a good webcam. The webcam that I would recommend is called a Logitech Brio. That costs about a couple hundred bucks, and it's a very, very good webcam. Um, During the pandemic, they were really hard to find because – Everyone was working from home and, uh, you know, the supply chain (laughs) made it a challenge to get it. But now they're more easily available. Um, The Logitech Brio, B-R-I-O. And that camera is is actually quite good. But, you know, it's a webcam. And so the webcam is only capable to a certain level. Now, I started with a camera called the Mevo, M-E-V-O, Mevo. And this camera was really cool because the camera... Like originally, I wanted to have multiple cameras, right? Like I'm, you can, if you're watching the video now, you can tell I have multiple cameras, but I'm doing it a different way now. And I'll explain that. 
um, I originally wanted to have multiple cameras, but I thought, how in the hell am I going to do that? Am I going to have to have like people behind the scenes running the cameras, you know, like at a major league baseball game where I've got, you know, guys with headsets running cameras all over the stadium. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I can't afford to do that. But I found this, this camera called the Mevo, M-E-V-O. And what's cool about it is that it would automatically do camera switching. And what it did is it, it had like a really high resolution 4K image. And then it would, it would be able to hear and listen to where the sound was coming from. And they could tell based on movement where the speaker was. And then it could zoom in on that speaker while they were talking automatically. And then when you had a guest and then you stopped talking and the guest started talking, the camera would switch to them automatically. And I thought, oh, this is incredible. This is going to really work. And so that's what I used to start the podcast when we began interviewing local political candidates. And I'll tell you what, man, that camera worked really well. I was really impressed with it. Um, Now, back then, I was not doing live streaming. So I would just record the video on the camera. And then I would later, after, you know, my guests had left, I, like I told you, I, I would optimize the audio file and add the bumpers and upload it to the podcast host. Well, then when I was done with that, I would take the video file and then I would optimize that and I would synchronize that with the really high quality audio I just created. And then I added video bumpers and, and then I'd have to upload the video to YouTube which took forever uh, to get that, you know, loaded and processed. And I did that for, gosh, like at least 150 episodes. That takes a lot of time, <laughs> but, it, but it worked really well. And I was very pleased with it. Um, like I said, I was able to do the bumpers and everything else. And, but then what happened is COVID happened. And when, I, when COVID happened, I couldn't have guests anymore. I mean, I can't invite people to my house when there is like a a virus going on. So I knew that I was going to have to transition and I was going to have to change. And so I was going to have to do Zoom. Excuse me. But when when you use Zoom, you're essentially using a webcam. And the Mevo, as wonderful as a camera is, it wasn't capable of being a webcam back then. Now, now today it is. But when I first started out, the Mevo could not work as a webcam. So I thought, okay, this isn't going to work. So what am I going to do? Well, I had like a little webcam, that, a little portable one that I had bought like, geez, six years ago. And it was actually working pretty well. And I experimented with that. And I did um, a few episodes with my webcam. And... Uh, and, you know, like I said, it was an experiment. It's part of the John Riley project. It's a project, so I'm learning, I'm growing. And that worked well for a while. But then I decided, you know what? Um, <laughs> here I am, I'm doing the podcast, and I no longer can have a guest in my house because of the, of the pandemic. And sure, I can have a guest remote on Zoom, and I could record it and then download the file, go into Premiere do all the optimizing and then re-upload to YouTube and it takes forever. I said, you know what? I'm going to start live streaming. 
so this added a whole other layer of complexity to what I was doing uh, because live streaming is is a lot harder. You got to have a lot. You have to have better infrastructure to pull it off. So what I when I was I decided to do is all this time. By the way, I had a guy that helped me as necessary. His name is Zeke. Zeke Kitchen. Um, kitchen like you know like a room in your house. Kitchen. First name Ezekiel. This guy is fantastic. He's, he lives here in San Diego. He's in his twenties. He just does um, video and, and some audio, but mostly video work and started out as a freelancer and I got him hooked up with some of my clients and he does work for them. He uh, does like corporate videos. He does videos with musicians. He does a lot of really interesting stuff and he was incredibly helpful. And I said, hey, man, I, I want to I take this podcast to another level. I want to I live stream. But I know if I'm going to live stream, I've got to use a webcam. And this webcam I have is like eight years old and it's not really high quality. What should I do? And we researched it together. And um, he was always skeptical of the Mevo when he was here because he always used really professional like Sony digital cameras for his, his photography and for his videos. Um, so he saw this Mevo camera, which looks like a Red Bull can, and he was thinking, well, what the hell is this? Um, and yeah, from a purely video technical level, the Mevo is not anywhere as good as a digital camera with a high quality lens. But again, for my podcast, it worked really well. But, it, but I couldn't use the Mevo anymore for the live streaming. So um, what he did is he helped me get like a Sony camera, which is what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> In fact, I got two of them. I got one over here, which you'll, the video will switch to sometimes. And I got one here. Oh, here's there. That's the other Sony camera that's on right now. Um, so originally I had one Sony camera and it looked great. And then he helped me kind of optimize a little of my background and optimize the lighting. And it was a lot better and it was great. But then I started doing live streaming. Well, video, when you're live streaming, video takes up a ton of bandwidth, just a lot of data that's flowing through your network and into the internet. And I had a lot of trouble. It took me a number of episodes before I kind of eventually figured it out because I was doing this originally on my Wi-Fi network, but you can't do live streaming with Wi-Fi, I mean, effectively. Now, granted, if you're using a webcam and you're on Zoom, yeah, of course that can work. We all do that now in our corporate world. But if you have a higher quality camera, you're sending a lot more video content. Now, still with Zoom, you can kind of sort of get away with it. Um, but I eventually made a switch because I found this software because called StreamYard. Now, Originally, when I was live streaming, I was just doing it on YouTube. I'm sorry, on Zoom. And Zoom will give you the ability, on last I checked, which was about a year and a half ago, Zoom will let you live stream to one platform at a time. So I could live stream to YouTube or I could live stream to Facebook, but I couldn't do both at the same time. And I wanted to do that. But in the beginning, I was experimenting. Uh... And I eventually decided to get the software called StreamYard, which will allow me to do that. In fact, I can 
with StreamYard, I can simulcast to up to 10 different social media platforms at the same time on a live stream. And I thought, oh, this is great. So then I had my one Sony camera connected to my computer as a USB camera. And then um, that computer was connected to my Wi-Fi network. And I have a good Wi-Fi network, a good mesh network, but it just was not working right. I mean, it was too much bandwidth. It was too glitchy. It would pixelate. It would stall. It would. Um, it was a problem. And so what I eventually had to do is through a lot of investigation, I had to like really learn my camera because you go into the setup on these Sony digital cameras and, oh, my God, there are a million menus in this little itty-bitty window in the back of the camera. And I had to figure out how to optimize all of that. But then I had to abandon Wi-Fi. And so I had to use an Ethernet direct cable connection. So what I ended up doing is I hired an electrician to come here to run an Ethernet from my office on the other side of the house where my router is. And there's an Ethernet cable connected to the router, and I had him go up through the ceiling, across to the other end of the house, down the wall, and then like right over here, now I have an Ethernet port in my living room, um, and I can plug in with my Ethernet cable, and that Ethernet is connected directly to my computer, and now I essentially have a bigger pipe, you know, so I can have a lot more bandwidth, a lot more data traveling through it, and it generally works pretty well. There are times, though, that even that, even this will pixelate or stall. And if you've watched a recorded version of a live stream on YouTube, you might have seen that. It's very rare, but it does happen because it depends what's going on on my network. You know, if my my wife is watching a show on Netflix, or you know, even the neighbors, if they're hogging up a lot of bandwidth in my neighborhood, that can affect my bandwidth here in my home. So there is some. There was a lot of optimization with that I had to figure out. But StreamYard has turned out to be beautiful because here on my screen, I have comments coming in from people from both Facebook and YouTube. Now, I'm going to start broadcasting this on more platforms like Twitter and maybe even Twitch and others. And then I hopefully you'll expand the audience. and I'll be able to have all of them funneling into one chat board here on StreamYard. Now, StreamYard, though, still has limitations. There's a lot of new um, YouTube or YouTube equivalent platforms um, that it is not yet connected to. One of them is Rumble. Um, Rumble, by the way, is kind of connected to Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin started a company called Locals, which was um, his way of creating a digital platform um, that could give people more control over their content. Because people were getting shut down on Twitter and shut down on YouTube, and he wanted to help people have greater control. He started this platform called Locals, uh, which is kind of like a private social media and a private – like a Facebook and YouTube all wrapped up into one that you can private label. Uh, But he ended up merging with the company called Rumble, and Rumble is like YouTube. Now, granted, Rumble has more of a right-wing Republican – point of view, um, the people that started it and the people that broadcast on it. But I was hoping to get some of my content on Rumble, too, because I cover a lot of politics, some of which 
right-wing people would love and some of which right-wing people would hate. <laughs> uh, but uh, I wanted to get on that platform. Unfortunately, StreamYard doesn't do that yet, but I hope they will soon. Um, so I started doing that, and that worked out pretty well. Um, oh, you know what else I forgot to mention? I had to get lighting. Uh, and right now here in my, uh, my studio, I have lights. There's one, two, three. You can't see them on camera. Um, but I had to get lighting because with video, lighting is crucial. And so I spent like about 180 bucks and I got the lights on Amazon. Um, and they're not that expensive. I mean, you know, then there's some lights now that have gotten even cheaper. Some of these LED lights that people use, it's like a little LED panel. The ones I have are, what do they call them? Like soft lights. They're kind of in a, how do I say this? There's light bulbs, but they're behind kind of like a white sheet. Um, and so it makes the lighting soft and, and pleasant, I guess. Uh, but you got to have lighting, lighting as well. So I had the video. At this point, I had one camera, one quality Sony camera with a really good lens on it. I was running StreamYard. I was on Ethernet. And I was live streaming. And I had interaction with my audience. And I had the lighting. And it was great. But then... Um, what ended up happening is COVID ended. COVID, granted, COVID has screwed up so many things in life. Um, but COVID ended. And so now I could have guests back in the podcast studio. And I'm thinking, okay, now what? Now, well, maybe, how, how do I have multiple cameras? So I started experimenting there. And by this time, the Mevo camera, my old camera, was able to work as a webcam. And so um, Pete Neal, you know, good guy, good friend, he came over and we did a podcast episode together and I had my good Sony camera and I had the Mevo and we had two cameras for two guys and it worked kind of well until my Mevo camera, for some reason, I don't know why, it just crapped out. And so <clears throat> I had to scramble and go get my old USB camera. And what, what ended up happening is, is that when I'm live streaming, you have to use a USB camera to live stream because that's kind of how webcams work, right? You know, some webcams are like at the top of the lid of your notebook. Some are really nice webcams like the Logitech Brio. Um, some people have converted really high-end uh, cameras like my Sony uh, cameras. They've converted those into really high-end webcams. But the challenge is, is that when you have multiple webcams – all going in USB into your computer, now we have that bandwidth problem again. We've got all this data from multiple video cameras all going into one computer, and that one computer just struggling to process all of that data, all of that video data. And so we had trouble again. You know, we had some pixelation, we had some uh, stalling, um, we had some problems. And so then I decided to go to the next level, and I ended up getting a second um, Sony camera, which is right over there. And and then I, I got this switching device, which I've talked about before. You can't see it on camera. But it's called an ATEM Mini Pro. ATEM, A-T-E-M Mini Pro. And this is a, a device that allows you to switch multiple cameras. Um, and... You know, only a few years ago, such a piece of equipment 
would have cost thousands of dollars, maybe even $10,000 or more for a professional level video camera switcher device. Well, this device here cost me only 500 bucks. Um, and the A10 mini is awesome. Um, and there are three levels of it. I have the middle one. Uh, there's one that's less expensive. It does everything that I'm really doing here. It does it effectively. And so with this, then I decided to get a third camera. So you'll see sometimes like right now, the video camera that's on is the one up above. And that's just a GoPro. And this GoPro actually works pretty well. But the GoPro sometimes has trouble. <laughs> so um, I'm going to probably end up at some point replacing that with another Sony camera. Um, so then I can have multiple cameras at once. And, uh, and then, you know, this A10 Mini Pro, which is kind of neat, is when I have a guest, I could just push a button to switch between camera one, two, and three. But if I'm just doing a solo podcast like right now, I can create a, a program, like a little macro, and it'll switch from camera to camera on a certain timing sequence, like 30 seconds on camera one, then 45 seconds on camera two, et cetera. So this is all part of the technical stuff of what goes on with this podcast that for me is a lot of fun. It's very interesting. It's sometimes really frustrating, um, but I learn a lot and I'm a better person for it. Um, and, you know, it's the hobby aspect of this where you start spending money on it. Um, and But, you know, the money I've spent on this podcast, I have made up for it hand over fist and just increasing my overall skill level that I use in my career for the services that I offer to my existing customers. So while this podcast itself is really making very little money, and I hope that it'll make more as I begin to grow out Happiness 76 and I've got a bunch of other ideas, it just takes so much time to develop them. But in the short run, just all the learning, all the experimentation, all of the the failure over and over again and eventually figuring stuff out, like Thomas Edison in a laboratory before he invented the light bulb. It's the same sort of thing, you know, as I've learned and I've grown through this, and I'm a way better person for it. So that's the video part of it. You can do it easy with a webcam, or you can make it a lot more sophisticated, and I'm kind of in that zone of making it a little more sophisticated. Okay, um, I do want to just... <laughs> just got a couple more things to say about this. And we're at, gosh, an hour and 13 minutes. Um, the other part of this, and granted, there, I think about this podcast all the time. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What can I change? How can I rearrange my studio? Like right now, you'll see that I've got the other, uh, my guest, um, like when, you, when, the, when the Mevo, I'm sorry, when the GoPro camera is on up above, you can see I've got my set up for a guest because that's when Hacksaw was here last week. Um, so sometimes I rearrange my podcast to set up kind of ideally for solo, sometimes for guests, and I've rearranged it so many different times. Um, in the beginning, um, I wanted it to be kind of like, you know, if you ever watch the Joe Rogan podcast, you know how he has like a long table? And then the, Rogan's on the left and the guest is on the right, coincidentally, behind a purple curtain. Um, I kind of like that. It was simple. It was good. And then the table, I could do some fun things. And so I have, you know, you can see some of the bobbleheads over my shoulder. I've got a bunch of different bobbleheads. In the very beginning, I had those on the table and it was kind of fun. It was kind of like a lot of the sports 
podcast shows, video shows where they've got all kinds of sports memorabilia around. I kind of wanted to have a little bit of that vibe. But I, and I ended up going to Ikea and I bought these tables. They were real cheap. And then I you know, got some stain and made them so they were a little more attractive looking. But I still always had this idea that I wanted to make a table out of a old castle door. And that was like my, my vision of what it could be. And I may still get to that at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, and I've experimented with things in the background, you know, like bookshelves, you know, a lot of people have bookshelves and I've done that a little bit and that's okay. I mean, it just gives something in the background for people to look at. Uh, but bobbleheads, there's a couple of other things here, but at some point I'm going to, I'm going to do a little more decoration behind me. Um, I ended up doing the sign, which worked out to be really well. I went, um, to MK signs here in my hometown of Poway, but any sign company will do this. That's like plastic PVC sign. And I gave them my logo and they set it up and it's really good. I and mean, it works really well to brand the show. Now, granted right now I'm branding the show in StreamYard with my logo in the bottom right corner, which I can play with, you know, here I'm on my, on the system here and I can change that um, to my happiness 76 or connect with johnny.com or I can put on my little subscribe button, a lot of different things I can do here. Um, but I also uh, want to be able to have the sign in the background, the physical sign, which is helpful for branding. And when and originally when we were doing this, we had a table just like the Joe Rogan one straight down the center of the room. And that sign was kind of right behind the very end of the table. It worked really well. Um, so there's a lot of fun things to experiment with. And this is the fun of it all, you know, is, is, is to play with the things in the background. And, and there's a lot more I could do if I just had more time, more money, <laughs> you know, I, I could probably do a lot more stuff with it, but it's a, you know, it's fun. And there was a time, you know, if you remember, if you watched my episodes a couple of years ago, I have a green screen and I would do a lot of videos in front of the green screen. And then in my post-production in Adobe Premiere, I would put a background behind me and I was always somewhere, you know, somewhere special, usually photography here in my hometown of Poway, where I would be, you know, quote unquote, broadcasting from, but I've experimented with that. And that's a lot of fun. But now that I'm doing live streaming, I'm not using the green screen anymore. But I mean, it's just, there's a lot of opportunity for creativity and for fun in doing this. And it's just, it's great. You know, I'm, I really enjoy it. I mean, hopefully that is conveyed in this podcast episode. So the big question now really is, is should you do it? Do you, should you have your own podcast? Well, I'll tell you what, if, if you've ever had any interest in doing it, I say you should do it. it. You can get started at a very simplified level and get going with it. And it's really not that hard. And like I said, there's so many benefits to doing your own podcast. You're going to meet people. You're going to increase your skills uh, that can help you in your career. Um, you might be able to parlay that podcast into some other entrepreneurial opportunity. Um, you'll learn new things. And by virtue of learning new things, you're going to have challenges and overcome them. And that helps you build self-esteem and and it makes you a better person. And, and oh, by the way, it's a ton of fun. So 
you know, if you're ever interested in starting a podcast, I encourage you to contact me. Go to, you can email me at john at johnreillyproject.com and I'll share my thoughts and opinions. I can help you get started easily. Uh, I can help you create something like this that I'm doing. Um, but if you, if you are interested in doing a podcast, what I recommend you do is be an expert in a particular category. That's something that I'm not doing. Um, that I know I probably should have done that. And frankly, I did that in the beginning. Actually, I take that back. In the beginning, I was only focused on talking about, you know, things going on in my hometown of Poway, California, 92064. And actually, it was very helpful for me building my initial audience. But, you know, for me, I just kind of felt limited by that. Um, So I I began really exploring and expanding my scope. And at some point, I may land in another niche. And I, there's a lot of podcasters that will do that. Their their um, format will change over time as they learn new things, as they get more feedback from people. But once you get started, you don't know where it's going to go. And, and you'll learn a lot of things along the way. But if you're going to do it, I would recommend you find a, a narrow category that you have some expertise in and which you are passionate about. Now, there's some people here locally in San Diego that have podcasts where all they do is talk about the San Diego Padres and they have guests on and they just talk about the San Diego Padres. And for them, it's, it's a, a passion project and they love doing it. Um, other people have found other categories to, to speak of. In fact, one of my previous guests, um, Matthew B. Mitchell here in Poway, tremendous guy. Um, he came over and we were talking about a lot of issues related to diversity and inclusion. And um, this was in the aftermath of the Poway Habad shooting. So there was a lot of politicized conversation going on in our community at the time. Well, he saw what I was doing and then he created his own show, um, his own podcast that featured a lot of um, African-American community activists and entrepreneurs in San Diego County. It was really good. It's really good content. But, you know, he he picked a narrow category to go after. And I think that's a great way that you can build an audience in a relatively short time frame. And then, you know, from there you can grow it and expand it. Um, always recommend telling stories. Listeners and viewers love storytelling. So find ways to integrate that. Um, you might want to not have your dog barking in the background like mine is right now. Um, Always invite guests. That's always good. Um, guests make the shows a lot more interesting, so it's a more of a dialogue. Um, and uh, if you could find a way to integrate the podcast somehow, some way with your career or your business, then bonus. Because then there's opportunities that you can monetize, whether you're monetizing the podcast directly or using the podcast as a platform to market your, your business or your career skills. So there's a lot of interesting angles to this. So thanks again for watching and listening. I appreciate this. Um, Pete healed on the live stream here. I can, I'll tell you, I got in my StreamYard software, I can click on this. And I can show you what they, what they say. I should have been doing this earlier. Um, so uh, Pete Neald on the live stream says, remember my hobby Calypso was $75,000. You know what, Pete? Um, it's amazing, really, uh, how 
relatively speaking, how relatively inexpensive Corvettes are compared to a lot of their competitive cars of a similar class. Um, it's amazing. But you know what, Pete? I'll bet you spent a hell of a lot more than $75,000 on your car with all the accessories, all your trips, all the things that you do. But that's what is your pursuit of happiness and good on you. Um, you would be, Pete, if you ever decided to do a podcast and you just did it on Corvettes, it would be a very interesting show. Um, and I know you and I have talked about that. And I think, in fact, you've been approached by some people to do that. Um, hopefully that's something that actually is something you pursue. Because if you did, I think it could be very successful. Um, okay. So let's wrap this bad boy up. It's uh, an hour and 23 minutes. Um, so again, today I decided to take a break from all the politics and culture and current events, even some of the local news. And I just want to talk a little bit about podcasting and why I did it, how I did it. And granted, I got a little bit technical, but um, there's a lot more technical stuff. I mean, you go online and there's a, there's a lot of people that have done YouTube videos that explain a lot of this. Um, and they're very good. And I, I learned a lot just by watching what other people are doing. And a lot of people did YouTube videos kind of similar to the one I'm doing, but more where they were showing the equipment and explaining the equipment. Um, but there are some people that have podcasts or videos where they'll just take a microphone and they'll go into the minutiae of just the microphone and go way into the weeds technically with it. And it's incredible. Um, so when you're out there looking, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. But if you're going to get started, try to find people that are more generalists that can give you some more background. And hopefully this podcast provided some of that for you. Um, so I think in the future, what I may do, I said I was going to do this previously, but I, I should do this in the near future, probably within the week since I just did this podcast, is to get my, my you know, phone video and walk around the podcast studio so you can see it. And I can show you the, all the things that I have because I've got cameras, signal boosters, audio interfaces, um, the camera switching software, I've got my monitor, the computer, the lighting, all the cables <laughs> and all the stuff. So um, I, I should do an explainer video there, but you know, probably only about a three to five minute one because I know some people are interested in that. And some of it's kind of behind the scenes, which is kind of cool. So I'll, I'll do that. That's my promise. That's something I've been meaning to do for a long time. Okay, friends, uh, this is episode number 0282. That means I'm 28.2% of the way to 1,000 episodes. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll be back at you next Wednesday. And by God, it'll be August when we are back together again. We'll see you then, friends. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor. Subscribe and then share it with a friend. Or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.